You can turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 24. 2 Kings 6, 24. Now, each and every one of us, as I look out on the room, there may be a few exceptions in here, but most of you, at one time or another, have found yourself in a situation that you have called desperate. A situation where it was very, very desperate, where maybe you've panicked yourself out. But every time we seem to get in those, we forget. Because desperate times call for desperate faith. Desperate times call for desperate faith. And we tend to forget that. We get in a situation and we try to manage it ourselves. It's like we forgot everything we've ever learned. It's like we forget everything. You sit in here, we go to Bible studies, we go to church, we're told how great God is. We just sang about the goodness of God, but we find ourselves in a situation that we consider desperate and we forget God and try to manage it ourselves. In 2 Kings chapter 6, this is one of the darkest, darkest, most dismal sections of scripture there is. This is one of the most desperate times in the history of Israel. It has never been darker than what you're going to see now. Now, the prophet Elijah was in one city just before this. And the Syrian army, the king of Syria, was after him. So he surrounded the city where Elijah was. And Elijah prayed to God and had him turn the Syrians blind. And he led them away and he led them into Samaria. And they had a big festival. And the soldiers were cool with that. They were okay, they weren't upset. But the king of Syria, his ego was bruised, he was damaged. He couldn't handle it. He had to get his revenge. So here in verse 24 it says, it happened after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his army and went up and besieged Syria. And there was a great famine in Syria. And indeed, they besieged it until a donkey's head sold for 80 shekels of silver and one-fourth of a kebab of dove droppings sold for five shekels. Five shekels of silver was a month's wages. And you were buying dove dung for five shekels. Desperate. And then the king of Israel was passing by a wall, and the woman cried out to him, saying, Help me, my lord, O king. And he says, If the Lord does not help you, where can I find help for you? 
from the thrashing floor, or maybe the wine press. And then the king of Syria, of Israel, I mean, says to her, what's troubling you? And she answered, and the woman said, the woman came to me and said, give me your son, that we may eat him today. And tomorrow, we will eat my son. So we boiled my son and ate him. And I said to her on the next day, give me your son, that we may eat him. But she had hidden him. Now it happened when the king heard these words of the woman, they tore his clothes and passed by the wall. And underneath his clothes was the sackcloth on his body. And then he said, God, do so to me and more also if the head of Elijah, the son of Sephat, remains on him today. And the king of Israel is ready to cut off the head of the prophet. But Elijah, sitting in his house, where the elders were sitting with him, and the king sent a man ahead of him. But before the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, Do you see how this son of a murderer has sent someone to take away my head? Look, when the messenger comes and shuts the door, and hold him fast at the door, is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? And while he was still talking with them, there was a messenger coming down to him. And then the king said, surely this calamity is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Pretty desperate. But look what Elijah says, chapter 7, verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord. Tomorrow about this time, a sheath of flour shall be sold for one shekel, and two sheaths of barley for a shekel at the gates of Samaria. So an officer whose hand the king leaned on answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make the windows of heaven, could this thing be? And he said, in fact, you will see it, Elijah replied. You will see it with your eyes, but you will not eat of it. Desperate times. Desperate, desperate times. Don't judge these people. This is about 750 years before Jesus, times were desperate. Their culture wasn't the same as our culture. But they were desperate. And they had totally lost every connection they had with God. They were willing to kill the prophet of God. They tried to solve their issue in the human way. They're starving. They have no food. I mean, they're paying a month's wages for dove droppings. (laughs) 
We have to remember whose we are, who we need to call on. We have prayer rooms. We have prayer closets. When things get desperate, you got to remember God's there for you. He didn't send his son. So you can try to figure out your desperation on your own. I mean, look what's going on. We may take the situation today in the Ukraine, the situation that's happening in the United States, the way the government is handling things, and yes, we're in the end times, and things may seem desperate to you. I assure you they're not as desperate as this. But they may seem desperate. We may begin to panic. Oh, what's going to happen if I lose my job? What's going to happen to this? What is going to happen to this? Scripture tells us not to worry about those things. But yet in our human nature, we tend to do that. I mean, the enemy laid siege on Samaria. They totally surrounded the city. They cut off everything going in and everything coming out. And they just sat out there and waited. They surrounded them. They cut them off. They isolated them. What's the first thing the enemy tries to do to you? Isolate you. You've got no friends. Nobody loves you. Oh, you're all alone. You're stuck. You might as well just crawl over and die. I mean, the enemy's going to lay it right out for you. Isolation. How broken are we? I mean, those two mothers in that scripture had to be so broken, so hopeless. I mean, they could see nothing before their eyes but, but pitch black. I mean, that is horrible. Horrible. I mean, they were willing to do something so repulsive, so gruesome, just to survive. But the enemy is going to try to take you to whatever limit he can take you to. He's going to push you to that edge. He's going to use friends of yours, associates of you, to get you there. He's going to have them lie to you. This is how the enemy works in your lives. Paul wrote in Ephesians 6.12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Hopelessness becomes very deadly 
can pick you apart and set you out. If he can isolate you from everyone. It starts out pretty easy. Oh, you don't need to go to church. Those people don't need to see you. Pretty soon you're out there. And then you don't come anymore. And then after a while, nobody talks to you anymore. And then the devil gets in and says, ah, see what I told you? They didn't care about you. They didn't love you. How many of us have found ourselves in situations of hopelessness that stresses us so bad? I mean, we just came out of a, a pandemic where we were isolated. And if you didn't have a strong heart and if you didn't stay focused on God, you became just like those people in Samaria, desperate, hopeless, Oh, this virus is going to kill me. It's a win-win. It kills me. I go to the Lord. I'm not losing anything. But that's what the enemy tries to do to you. He tries to make you hopeless. Sometimes... You get in that situation where you're isolated, you're lonely. You'll settle for anything to fix it. Have a couple beers, have a few drinks. Then you don't remember anymore. Do some drugs, wake up the next, that night you're fine, the next day you're hurting again. Whatever it is you find yourself to get that little quick fix. The devil's still there in the morning. And you're going to have to just do it again to get away from him. Or you could just call on God like you were taught. God is there for you. He's there for each and every one of you. This is not his work isolating you. He wants you to gather together the fellowship of the saints. The gathering of one another. The encouragement of one another. Learning God's word. There is nothing more important than learning God's word. Through churches. Churches have Bible studies so they can teach you God's word. They're there to feed you. Bible studies are designed to feed you, to help you grow, so that if a situation comes up where the doctor says, oh, this is going to happen to you, and you go, not going to happen to me. God's got me. Your boss says, oh, we're going to cut back. And God's speaking in the other ear. 
I got a great job for you. Amen. I got something wonderful happening. Amen. Or you get caught up in that relationship that ends. And you feel, oh, I'm alone now. God says, you're not alone. You got me. I'll take you places you've never even thought of. Because I am the almighty God. And nothing is going to leave you alone. I am the Lord. Don't forfeit the time God gives you. He anoints each and every one of you with a purpose. Some of times, you know, you feel I can't stand alone one more week, one more day. You know, sometimes we have to just be alone. Amen. It's just the way it is. Amen. But God is always with us. Amen. And if you have that relationship, if you've learned to develop that relationship with God, there's no end Amen. to what he'll do for you. You don't have to ever stand alone. Amen. Look around you. You got your brothers and sisters in Christ Amen. all around you. Amen. They're there. They're there for you. Sometimes we do things in our human flesh so we'll become accepted. We feel we need to do that. I mean, a lot of pressure comes on children because they gotta fit into this group or they gotta fit into that group. So they feel pressure. But adults feel the same thing. You know, you go into work, you work at the office, and there's a whole group at the water cooler. Well, you know, you fit in with that group, you gotta do what that group does. Just basically tell stories, <laughs> tell rumors, be deceitful, gossip. Then you might be in a place where at lunchtime they have a little Bible study. Where they sit down and they read the Bible and they pray together. And if not, just make your own. Just sit down with the word of God. You can take it everywhere you go because every one of you got one of those phones. Amen. You can carry the Bible with you everywhere you go. Amen. There's two things you need on your phone. You need the Bible and you need the Potter's House Coral Springs app. And the app has the Bible in it. In fact, it'll even read it to you. You, it eliminates the work. You can just put on the headphone and go start. And away it goes. But we do get desperate. At times we do find ourselves in what we consider hopeless situations. I'm pretty sure God sits up in heaven and goes, I can't believe there's 
think of that again. <laughs> what is wrong with these people? You know, he wants to just pick you up and shake you and set you yeah. back down. Yeah. Got your thoughts together now? Yeah. Because he's got to be feeling that. Because every time our human nature, our flesh, it's just the way the devil gets his way in. Amen. We have to learn who we belong to. Amen. We belong to God. Amen. Look out the window. Everything you see out there, God created. Amen. Look at the person to your left and to your right. God created them. Yeah, pretty good <laughs> Didn't say look in the mirror. <laughs> we have to remember these things. Hopelessness makes us real nearsighted. I mean, you can't see anything other than your problem. That's all you see. That's all you talk about. That's all you try to fix. But you don't. See the one that can fix it. I mean, we've done stuff where we've had great gifts in our lives, great things that God has done for us. And we have things, and we just destroy them. And people are looking and going, geez, Barney had what so-and-so had. And so-and-so destroyed it. I would have, I would have killed to get that. Sometimes we just walk away from things God has for us. We walk away from a miracle God's going to give us, and the people are going, oh, if I could have just got that. If I could have just had that miracle that so-and-so just walked away from. Why didn't you give it to me, Lord? We find ourselves hopeless. And we're stuck in the middle of something people are hoping for. Because if they had our situation, they'd be better than they were. We have to remember whose we are. We have to remember that we've encountered a king. We've encountered a king. He walked out of a tomb. He raised us with him. If you've been resurrected with Christ, if you have become that new creation that he said you are, if you've actually accepted that, then none of this should ever come your way. Yes, will hard times come? Will God test you? Certainly. But he's going to see if you go to him or if you go to the other one. If you let your flesh win the battle. There was no way Elijah was doing that. There was no way Elijah was going to allow the enemy to take control. He was a prophet of God. And he watched what those people did. Just like God watches what we do. 
God gives you a situation. You come across it. You go in the prayer room. And your situation, the Holy Spirit just speaks to you. You've got to remember if you surrendered your life to Christ, the Spirit of the Lord dwells within you. The Spirit of the Lord dwells within you. Romans 15, 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember who dwells within you. Remember whose power you can call on. You don't need to find yourself in desperation. Don't believe that lie. Don't allow that to happen to you. Every one of us knows that every time we've surrendered to our hopelessness, the devil is one and we've been wounded. And God says, hey, I put the Holy Spirit in you to fill you with hope, to fill you with peace, to give you joy in these times because I'm with you. We don't always understand that. But what does God say? My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Amen. I mean, God kind of lays it right on the line there. What is he saying? You're not going to be able to think like I can. You're not going to be able to figure this out. What are you going to have to do? You're going to have to trust me. Amen. You're going to have to trust me. Amen. And this is where we fall short. Glory. This is where we fall short. Because when that situation arises, we decide trusting myself is better than trusting God. Amen. Because I've created so much on my own. I can help create God anytime. I mean, that's got to be what you're thinking. That you don't trust him. He just told you that his ways are different than your ways. So why do you think he's going to handle a problem the same way you would? He said, my thoughts are different than your thoughts. So why do you think that he's going to figure it out a different way than you are? Of course he is. You don't have the faintest idea what God has planned for you. But if you spend more time with him, He'll show you a little bit. He'll reveal a little bit more to you. He'll tell you a little bit more. I mean, he always tells me a little bit more. Just enough to keep me a little bit hungry. Just enough to have me want more. 
So the next day I seek a little more. Amen. And God gives you just a little bit more. Amen. And then you seek some more. And he gives you a little bit more. This is why he told the apostles, I got so much to tell you. I can't do it all. I got to give you the Holy Spirit to dwell within you, to teach you. Because I don't have time to do it all. Second Kings 7.1. Remember what it said. Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord. Tomorrow, about this time, a sheaf of fine flour shall be sold for one shekel. Little better deal than the dump droppings. <laughs> And two sheaths of barley for a shekel. They're going to be sold right at the gates of Samaria. They're going to be sold right at your gate. Right at your door is the answer to your problem. All you've got to do is open it. Amen. All you've got to do is open it. Hear the word of the Lord. The king of Israel, he blamed the Lord for the calamity. God, it's all your fault. I mean, we love to play the victim, don't we? Not my fault, your fault. Somebody shoots somebody, the guy with the gun stands there. Wasn't my fault. He made me do it. <laughs> he made me do it. I mean, that's obvious. God still had a word even for that king of the nation. And it was a good word. He told him, tomorrow this time, in 24 hours, your whole situation it's going to be changed. Amen. The victory is yours Amen. in 24 hours. The answer is coming. I mean, the price of one shekel wasn't cheap, but it was a lot better than what they had. It was going to beat those famine conditions. So then the Lord says, look, if the Lord can open the windows of heaven. But the king, his people and the king doubted this prophecy. They doubted Elijah. They doubted the power of God. Yet God willed it. He certainly could make the windows of heaven open and change the whole condition, just like he can change the condition of your time. The desperation that you face at that one particular moment, whenever it is, God can change it like that. Amen. Amen. But you got to have your faith in him. Amen. You don't need your faith in your best friend. You don't need to be texting your BFF, help. <laughs> 
second thing they doubted was the creativity of God. Why? Because we're not creative. We may not be able to figure out a way. But God already told you my thoughts are different than yours. I'm creative. Look at what I've created out there. You have an ocean full of fish. So all you fish eating people will never run out of food. <laughs> and for the rest of us, they have big cattle ranches in Texas. So we're good. But they couldn't figure it out. The, the army of Syria had surrounded that whole city had cut them off from everything. I mean, they were desperate. They were desperate. But they have to realize that God will make a way. Amen. They know that God can make a way. And the third thing that they doubted in this was they doubted the messenger of God. They doubted the prophet. They wanted to cut his head off. And isn't that just like people when they get caught up in their flesh? Oh, you Christians are crazy. Let's lock them up. I mean, we got a case going before the Supreme Court about a football coach that goes out on the 50-yard line, prayed after every game. The kids wanted to pray with him, so he let him. Then the school told him, the kids can't come anymore. So he goes out and prays by himself. And they fired him for that. God will make a way. Amen. We have to give up this unbelief. I know. It's tough because our flesh, our flesh just loves us so much. I mean, our flesh really looks out for us. Our flesh dares us to question the truthfulness of God's promise. Our flesh will go, oh, now God said that, but I'm not really sure God meant that for me. He might have meant it for you because you're, you're a better Christian than I am. You know, that unbelief comes in. And then you might hear, oh, well, that's a new thing. We don't do new things here. That can't be true. That's something new. It's never been tried before. Or it's going to come overnight? Our blessing is coming overnight? That's too quick. That can't be true. There's no way God can accomplish this. There's no way that God can make this work. And even if God does do something, it's not going to be enough for us. Maybe he'll only take care of half of us. And the rest of us will starve. What does Elijah tell the king? 
You're going to see it. You're going to see the barley. You're going to see it right there. But you're not getting a drop of it. Because you don't believe me. I'm not giving you anything. You're going to see it. But you shall not eat it. What if God says that to you? If you're not going to believe me, you can watch the people that believe me. You can watch the miracles I do for them. But you're not going to get one. You're not going to get one. Because you don't believe in me. You don't trust me. So I'll do nothing for you. Unbelievers, they really don't get the joy of life that God has for each and every one of you. Because no matter what situation you find yourself in, if you've really trusted in God, you still have peace. You still have joy. You know that God's going to get you through it. It may not be the way you want him to, but he will get you through it. See, that's the trouble we have as humans. We want to micromanage God. Yeah, God, it's okay. You can get us. But you got to do it this way, God. I mean, God, I'm only going to learn to drive if you give me a Corvette. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm not going to drive. It's not worth it. You know, no matter what the situation is, we can't manage God. We have to trust him that he's going to get you through Amen. no matter what. Amen. I mean, we all wish God would do this for us and do that for us. But we have to learn that God will take care of each and every one of us his way. His way. Romans 8.31 says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be against us? So look what happens in the end of this story. We remember how it started. We remember how desperate they got. We remember that the prophet said, that there's going to be barley and stuff right at the gate in the morning. But the scripture says there were four lepers at the gate of the city. And we all know what lepers were like in those days. I mean, they were total outcasts. You didn't go near them. You didn't touch them. I mean, it was like some of the early reports on COVID. You didn't talk to them because you might get the disease. <laughs> oh, well, don't talk to that person. You might get it. So here we are. So the lepers are sitting outside the city. And the one says to you, hey, are we just going to die here? I mean, we got a leprosy. We're going to die. Are we going to die here? Why should we die here? Why don't we go surrender to the Syrian army? Because if we surrender to them, 
They'll either take care of us and feed us, or they'll kill us, but either way, we're gonna die here, we're gonna die there. What difference does it really make? So they go to the camp of the Syrians. And they get to the outskirts of the camp and they look, and there's nobody there. They're all gone. Because the Lord had made them here. Chariots and horses and armies coming. And they got so scared they ran. They just took off. They were gone. So that happened overnight. The whole enemy is gone. And there's your blessing at the gate. And all you had to do was trust in me. All you had to do was trust in me. Desperate times call for desperate faith. Keep your faith. They were gone. And they left everything. They left their tents. They left their horses. They left their donkeys. People of Samaria just went out and got everything. We got it all. Remember the scripture. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit says the Lord of hosts. God will get you through. In those desperate, desperate times, keep your faith on God. Keep your focus on the Lord. Let's stand. Now, if you found yourself today, last week, last month, last year, to find yourself facing that situation. Maybe you need some strength from God. Maybe you think whatever you're going through right now is desperate. You know, there's no desperation because God is here. God wants to touch each and every life in this place. He wants you to know that he's always there for you. He is your comforter. He is your peacemaker. He is your power. He will give you the power to overcome anything you need to overcome. So if you need prayer this morning, the altars are open. Jesus says, I'm here for you. Do you want me this morning? Do you need me this morning? Or are you going to handle everything yourself? Don't be ashamed of God. Because if you're ashamed of Jesus, he's going to be ashamed of you before his father. You don't worry about what anybody thinks. You just come down and get what God has for you because it's different than what he has for the person next to you.
Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. He just loved you so much. He loves you so much. He wants to touch each and every life in this place. He wants to touch you. He wants to watch over you. He wants to guide you. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Jesus.